0: welcome to the Relationship Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Mikkel, and today we're talking about creating your ideal relationship, no matter your upbringing, with Lisa Lewis. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the podcast today. I'm very excited to have a very special guest on the show today. Today we are having Lisa Lewis, who is a very insightful therapist with an amazing story. And bonus is she also is my mom, and I love and adore her. So we talk about mental health things all the time. (laughs) Um, But I wanted her to come on the show today to share a little bit of her story and talk to you guys about um, many of us sometimes have less than ideal family situations growing up. And sometimes that can fuel relationship anxiety because we've seen our parents get divorced and so we're afraid of what that might mean for us moving forward in our own relationship. So she's gonna talk a little bit about her experience growing up and how she used it in a way that positively impacted her marriage and family. So, without further ado, here's the interview. Hey, Mom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mikkel. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm doing well.
0: (laughs) We haven't been talking this morning already. I know. (laughs) Um, So, today we have a special guest. My mom, Lisa Lewis, is coming on the podcast today. Um, I invited my mom onto the podcast today because Um, one, she has amazing insights into life and relationships. And two, she has a really unique story on on her family of origin, growing up the different relationships she has modeled. And um, something that I have talked with some of my clients about um, a fear that comes up sometimes is um, the fear that because of you know, past relationship experiences, what they've seen modeled by their parents that they're not going to be able to have a healthy relationship in their future, that that just is off the table for them. And so I wanted mom to come on here to talk about it a little bit because, um, you know, she's had a lot of different experiences in her past that would be considered less than ideal for a lot of people. And she's created such an amazing family and marriage. And, uh, you know, my, my anxiety that I had when Dallin and I were first dating was, is my relationship going to be as good as my parents? (laughs) Because I looked up to, um, their, your relationship so much. Uh, so that's my little intro on you, but do you want to tell everyone a little bit about you? Sure. Let's see
1: said my mom. (laughs) And uh, we have, there's four kids in our family. Let's see. I, we live in the Dallas area. I am, I practice as I'm a mental health therapist, practice at a private practice here in the area. And when I'm not doing that, I enjoy being able to hang out at home and read. Usually it's mental health material, but I like to sit down and (laughs) read that kind of stuff. still, even when I'm not working, I love to go on walks with my husband and I have discovered recently on the way home from work that when I've had a harder day or I just need to really decompress, I love to turn on the 80s station in the car and turn it up really loud and sing the 80s music. And I don't think that's that, a recent discovery. <laughs> okay. So it's not a recent discovery that I like 80s music, but just recently, because usually when I'm driving home, I'm listening to podcasts or something, you know, still mental health related. And if I just need to totally just check out a mental health stuff for a little while, I love to turn on that 80s music. And there's something about it that has been really fun for me recently. Uh-huh. So, and it's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little fun fact that you kind of knew but didn't know I've been doing it recently
0: I'm not surprised (laughs) yeah
1: I'm sure you're not surprised Oh, I guess on a side note on a little little fun fact related to 80s music about Mikkel Mikkel knows how much I love the band Def Leppard and back in the fall she found the Def Leppard shirt and surprised me and gave it to me (laughs) so
0: it's one of my favorite t-shirts my mom is a big 80s music fan I'm I'm a fan as well yep um, okay. So tell everyone like a little bit about, you know, obviously whatever you're comfortable sharing, just your experience growing up, um, and kind of, you know, just a, a little bit of your experience growing up as well as like what romantic relationship examples were modeled for you as a kid and teenager.
1: Okay. Uh, just to give a little bit of background on, cause you had mentioned that the way I grew up was, you know, maybe what some people would say is less than ideal. and. Um, My parents both struggled with addictions, alcohol addictions, my mom, alcohol and drug addictions, and their marriage lasted until I was three and then they were divorced. So throughout my childhood and teenage years, I saw a pattern with my parents of not only did they get divorced, but then they each found somebody else and they remarried and then they got divorced from those people. And then on how many years later, probably my, actually it would have been my teenage years. They met other people and they got married again. So by the time I was, yeah, in my teenage years, both my parents were on their third marriage. Mm-hmm. So I did not see what I would call, um, a stable marriage, a good marriage. I just saw a lot of chaos mm-hmm. in marriages and so as far as romantic relationships, I didn't see it modeled in my home. I don't remember. I don't know. I had a few aunts and uncles that I thought probably had a pretty good marriage, but what I did see modeled or what I thought was kind of the model way of having a more romantic relationship was through movies.
0: Mm.
1: When I saw different movies, I was like, oh, okay. That's what a good relationship was supposed to look mm. like, which was not true at all either. But that's what I thought that was what I had mod- That was like the model for me is what I saw in the, ma- in the movies.
0: Yeah. So what do you think were like some of the beliefs that you picked up on from that? Like what, like, how do you think it impacted you? Like seeing that with your parents of having, you know, several different divorces as well as so I be kind of curious of what beliefs did you pick up and take away from movies of, Oh, this is what a romantic relationships should be.
1: Okay. So what I actually saw from the movies that I thought was like the ideal, yeah. Okay. I I think I I didn't understand some of the meat of what a relationship would be from the movies. You know, things like communication, sacrifice. Um, you know, being able to work through hard things. You might see that a little bit in the movies, but what I really saw, it was the holding hands. It was the the first kiss. It was being taken on these really cool dates um you know the sex i literally believed that when i got married if there were problems that it could all be solved with sex i had no idea that that was true because of my inexperience at that time with you know physical intimacy but yet i really believed that that was how people would solve problems <laughs>
0: And little did you know. <laughs> sex actually sometimes rather than solving problems can create them.
1: <laughs> yes, which which I learned about that after I got married, that there were
0: complexities with sex. Yeah. That I had to
1: learn to navigate. Yeah.
0: So on the flip side of like, what do you think? So those are kind of like the ideals that you took away, right? Of like, okay, relationships are about like, hey, it's the first kiss, it's holding hands. Um, and, and I'm actually curious, even as like seeing that in movies. And I know this is something you and I have talked about before, but just how that affected you as far as like, um, you know, really wanting that and focusing on that in your life.
1: Like focusing
0: on that physical aspect. Focusing on just, just that, that need for a romantic relationship growing up.
1: Oh, well, I think this is what you're asking with me focusing on that. There was a need that wasn't being met mm-hmm. for me as a child. Is that what you're asking about? Yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel connected and there were people in my life so, that my life that weren't available. Mom was not available because mom was struggling with her own stuff. Dad was struggling with his own stuff. He was pretty disconnected. A lot of um, oftentimes girls, that connection with their dad helps them in being able, if they have a good connection with their dad, sometimes it can help them in understanding, um, how to have a a connection with a man. Right. And I think for me, and I'm not saying this is always the case, Mm -hmm. but it can, it can have an impact, the relationship that a, a daughter has with her dad. And I didn't have that with my dad. And so, because I didn't have that with him, I found myself always looking for it with boys always like, I remember in junior high, always getting crushes, trying to get a boyfriend, wanting a boy to like me because I really believed if a boy liked me, then I could feel feelings that I wasn't feeling. I could feel connection. I could feel loved. I could feel secure. I could feel self-confident. I was looking to feel all those things. And I thought that having a boyfriend or dating a boy or eventually getting married was going to give those things to me.
0: Hmm. So that was like what you were looking for. And then I'm curious, like, what was your experience of actually, okay, you dated different boys, right? (laughs) You dated my dad in high school Um, and how that, how that went for you, like trying to find those feelings within the relationship and fill that void.
1: Yeah. So with, with your dad, we actually did end up dating long enough that we actually formed this great friendship. And Mm -hmm. so that was the first time that I realized that I could, there could be some of the physical, the kissing, the holding hands, the hugging, and that was fun and it was exciting and it was connecting, but we also had the other parts. Like we were able to talk. I was able to share with him things that I wouldn't talk to other people about. Mm -hmm. I could be a little bit more vulnerable with him. So that was the first time I was able to experience that and realize it's, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. but later on when he and I stopped dating, cause we had a period of breakup and we weren't together for a while that I was still looking for that from other boys. And I remember like once they finally would, like, it was almost like this challenge, like hoping that they, they would kiss me. And once they kissed me and it was like, Oh, there wasn't really anything else to it. I was like, Oh, okay. And I lost interest because there wasn't any meat to it that like, it was just more like that challenge of wanting to, you know, fill those feelings that you feel when you get that first kiss. And then once that happened and then I realized there wasn't anything else about this person. I, it was more that challenge to, uh, to fill those feelings, but then noticing that we didn't have any other thing to connect around. Mm-hmm. And then I lost interest.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting hearing that too, because I know um, some of my clients that they really have that, authentic connection with their partner where they're able to be vulnerable, but yet, you know, get hung up on like, Oh, maybe I need more of these feelings. Right. That kind of chase that you're talking about. Like, I think uh-huh. can, again, like we've seen in movies can get kind of idealized in their heads versus being able to recognize like that is only so, um, it's only so fulfilling, right. Versus yes. Being able to like the genuine authentic connection that you have where it's like, this is someone I can be vulnerable with maybe the excitement isn't the same as pursuing a first kiss, right. Or like the very beginning mm-hmm. of a relationship, but there's yep. something a lot more real and sustaining about it. Right. So those feelings,
1: all of those exciting feelings that we have when we first start dating someone or that, you know, sometimes we have, they are great and it's something that can help attract us to somebody, but it's not sustainable to fill that high level of like the butterflies, like if we felt butterflies all the time throughout our marriage or throughout our relationship, that would—I mean, we think we want that, but yet that really is not sustainable. It's really when we start to move into the deepness, and yeah, the butterflies might come sometimes, maybe or maybe. Yeah. And some people, a, they really—it
0: might just start out very steady, and right? even in the yes, middle. yeah,
1: which is actually kind of nice because it's there—you're already moving into that deep connection. And it's not based on that, those, that kind of the affection kind of feelings. Yeah. Those are nice, but they're not sustainable in a relationship. Yeah, If you have just that, that's very challenging to have a real meaningful relationship mm-hmm. based on just those affection kind of feelings.
0: Yeah. And sometimes too, I've heard some people say like thinking, okay, if I could at least go back to like, oh yes, I had that feeling, then that can give mm-hmm. some kind of confirmation for like the whole rest of your relationship, but it just really is not the basis of like, it can be a fun experience and maybe you don't experience it, but either Mm -hmm. way in the end, like it's a lot of, we were actually talking about this other week. A lot of those feelings are about, you know, it's more like about riding a roller coaster. It's the unknown what's going to happen next. This person isn't totally secure for me right now. Right. Versus when you really have a more secure connection, which maybe you have right off the bat, so, you're not on this roller coaster up and down that tends to create those butterflies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, long term, you know, obviously, yeah, like physically, it's not sustainable to feel the butterflies all the time. And it's actually that deeper, more genuine connection where it's not there like that.
1: Yeah. And not thinking that something's gone wrong because it's evolved and it's changed from what it was in the beginning. Like, if you're still having a great connection with them and You know you're building on that friendship. That is that is awesome. But if we go back and say, "Oh, I don't feel those same feelings," or it's changed from the how it was in the beginning, related to the feelings, you know, not thinking that that means something's gone wrong. I've seen that happen.
0: And I think also it's true with connection too. Is that even being connected to your partner doesn't mean you're going to feel this intense connection all the time as much as you said, which is it's building that friendship. Do we have this secure friendship where we're able to be vulnerable? We're able to trust each other and we're still going to have days where we feel off and we don't feel totally connected to each other. That's right.
1: Yep. It kind of goes in and out. You might weave in and out of that, like, Oh, I'm not as connected today, but then today we felt really connected. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or maybe weeks where it's disconnection. Uh It just changes. Yeah. I've actually talked to my client about this, that connection, that we cannot feel connection without disconnection, right?
1: That's true. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: appreciate being connected to someone without there being times where you, you have that distance a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Okay. We got on a tangent, but <laughs> I'm glad you said some time talking about that. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually curious on the flip side though, of like with seeing your parents, right. You kind of talked about here's what I picked up on movies and I wanted, but seeing divorce so much um, seeing not very healthy relationships modeled, was there, um, did it create any fears for you? Um, did it create fears for you and, you know, moving into marriage or being loved or even just dating?
1: Okay. So as far as fears, I, I don't remember having a lot of fears about getting into a relationship again, because I thought if I can have what I saw and what I have seen in the movies, then it's all going to be great. I'm to live happily ever after, like, really, I believe that the only fear that I remember coming up for me was if I by chance got into a relationship that was like my parents, Mm -hmm. or if I was to, um, maybe not pick up on an addiction that somebody had and that I was marrying my dad or or, you know someone like my mom that you know was struggling with a drug or alcohol addiction and that I didn't pick up on that and it's gonna ruin my life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I I did have fears around that piece that of having a relationship like my parents. Yeah. But I thought if I could get what I have what they have in the movies, then I'll be just fine.
0: (laughs) So then tell, tell us a little bit about then, you know, moving forward into marriage and, um, like Ashley, okay, here, you, here you are happily ever after, right? You're married to Was everything just fine? <laughs> was everything just fine? Was it happily ever after? <laughs>
1: um, so I know the part due to the movie, but <laughs> we're all the yeah, I, think when I got married to your dad, I was really, really excited about getting to marry him. And I know there was a part of me, I realized later that there was a part of me that thought once I got married, I also could escape the the home life and what I had experienced there. I thought that all those problems and, that had happened in home life and the addiction and the divorces and other things that were going on. I thought that the impact that it had on me, that once I got married, it would go away. Mm-hmm. Even though I married someone that is amazing and has always been willing to work on our marriage, what I didn't know was I was going to bring those parts of me into the marriage that had been impacted by, by abuse and addiction and divorce Mm -hmm. and the impact and how that was going to show up in our marriage. You know, the insecurities that was going to show up that were going to show up. I believed that my husband was going to be responsible for making me happy and i would look to him to to solve and to fix my problems and it took me even though we still like genuinely we had a really good friendship and we we really had a good marriage even though i had all these deficiencies that i would call them in the marriage um but they kept showing up again and again uh, i again i would be looking to him to solve my problems to help me feel a certain way and over time it took a long time before i started realizing that I was the one that needed to be responsible for how Lisa feels that Lisa responsible for her feelings. She's responsible for making herself happy. Like that. I had to take ownership in my life and not put that on my husband. And at one point he had to realize he couldn't take that over like that. He couldn't be responsible for that either. He may not have even realized that he was, that he had, um, let me give him that power. And so at one point we realized, okay, he has to let me take back over. And he, like when I would go to him, him, not trying to fix things for me of him, like just letting me kind of solve it for myself. So that was a big aha for us in our marriage. The other thing that was a turning point for me was being able to learn that I needed to start going through recovery for being an adult child of alcoholic parents. And so I started attending Al-Anon, which is a 12-step program which does teach a lot about ownership and being able to kind of own and, and kind of, yeah, own your own stuff and to start working on it. That was really the catalyst that started helping change me. And then of course, as I went back to school, um, and became a therapist, you, as you do that work and you work with other people, you totally are doing your own work too. So there's just kind of a number of different things along the way that helped me in being able to change and, um, again, take that ownership for my life. Did I answer the question?
0: <laughs> I think I went on about a tangent. Um, <laughs> <I think so. laughs> uh, it's interesting to see also full circle too, like, yeah, when you were younger, um, really having those beliefs of this, you know, relationship when I find it is going to make me happy, make me feel confident, make me feel all these things which, um, you know, and I actually talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast of the idea of emotional ownership, right? Mm -hmm. I think all of us have that belief to some degree. Um, And I think the challenge that, you know, getting in a committed relationship presents is, are we going to hold on to those beliefs or are we going to let go of them, right? And start recognizing like, wait, maybe this is on me and how do I take responsibility for these feelings? Um, Yes. Because otherwise when you're like operating out of that place, right. And maybe you can kind of speak to this a little bit. um, But when you're operating out of that place of looking for your partner to make you happy, right. Those beliefs that you initially had, it leaves you feeling really dissatisfied and wanting for more because you're asking them to give you something that they cannot give you. Yes.
1: Yeah, you, you are, there is definitely that, that dissatisfaction. And I did show that up. I had that show up again and again, where I was just like, I just feel so frustrated and discouraged and, and, you know, dealing with a lot of anxiety and trying to figure out how to solve and fix it and would look for things outside of myself, whether it be, you know, a friend, um, food, maybe it would be moving to a new location because as you know, we moved around at at different times. So I would look for circumstances to help me to feel better and to deal with that discontent that I was feeling or that. Yeah. Because I wasn't feeling content with myself. I was looking for all these things outside of myself, but really the answers were within myself and being able to work on my stuff, understanding my thoughts, understanding what I was feeling, understanding the behaviors, that I was doing, that's where the answers lie. Mm-hmm.
0: Not in some quick fix of changing something outside in your life.
1: <laughs> right. And that would help temporarily, but yeah, it wasn't the long-term solution.
0: Um, did it ever look like for you um trying to change things about yourself or the relationship or dad at all to uh, to create more of that, like when you notice yourself feeling dissatisfied or feeling like you weren't as happy as you should be, did I ever show up and let me try to change or fix me or my husband or relationship?
1: Yeah, I mean, the changing me part, like when I started working on the inside, the internal part, that was good. But sometimes I would try to change externally, yeah. like you know, if I can look. This was a big thing for me. I focused a lot on how I looked and how I dressed. Like when I show up to social settings, go to church, whatever it was, I really wanted to look like I was put together so that I could present in a certain way. And so I could feel like, so I I was trying to create those feelings of confidence um, that I was, yeah, I guess that was more of a confidence thing so I would do that. That would be kind of a thing that I would do with myself. And then the way I would talk to people and I was trying to put on this facade so that other people could believe that I had it put together, even though, and maybe it was so I could try to believe that about myself too, but that, you know, that was, I wasn't believing it. I wasn't buying it. Uh, As far as with your dad, I yeah, definitely would try to change things about him. Like if he wasn't happy with a work situation, I would desperately be trying to find, okay, well maybe if you do this, or maybe if you do this, or I read this article on this, or maybe you should read this book, like trying to fix him too. That, that happened a lot because I, I, I don't know, I guess I wanted to feel differently. And so I thought if I could change the way he felt, then maybe I could feel differently about him and about our relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause if he wasn't happy with his work, then that was a problem I needed to solve. Mm-hmm. So not only was he responsible for your happiness, but you were also responsible for his.
1: Yes. Yes. That definitely happened. Yeah. Codependency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, lots of that showed up.
0: So how, um, when you kind of had that shift of taking more ownership and, um, him kind of letting go of, I'm not responsible for you being happy. Right. And, and you taking that on and owning that more. Um, what impact did you notice that had on your relationship?
1: It actually got even better because I wasn't going to him to solve and fix things. And I took that power back over. What I did is I empowered myself and when there was a problem I remember there's been times even recently that I have something I'm trying to solve for and the temptation is, Oh, let me go to him and have him fix it for me. Mm -hmm. And like, no, you know, and just saying to myself, Lisa, you can totally figure this out. And maybe I'll do some journaling and kind of like, Hey, what are your options? How do you want to look at this situation and kind of get clear for myself about how I feel about the problem. And once I kind of have it sorted. through and maybe figured out, then I might go to him and share it with him. Cause I want to still connect with him, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to him to have him solve it. I just want to share with him like, Hey, this is what happened. I have this situation. I kind of thought through some different options and here's where I've arrived at. This is how I'm going to go forward and address the situation. And I just wanted to share it with you. Cause this is something that I was kind of struggling with versus me going to him and like, Oh, I'm dealing with this thing. I don't know what to do. Can you, can you, can we talk about it? Can you help me figure it out? (laughs) And there may be those times too, where like, we do need to problem solve. Maybe it's something related to our relationship or our family or something, but when it's stuff with just me, I like to people to empower myself to most of the time that I can figure it out. There may be a time or two where I'm like, I'm just really stuck. Can we talk through this? And I will go to him. I'm not saying I don't go to him ever anymore, but I don't do it nearly as much. I don't go to him to solve everything for me.
0: Yeah.
1: If if that differentiates it.
0: No, I love how you explain that because that's something a lot of times with relationship anxiety, um, you know, like the biggest problem I feel like that's trying to be solved is, oh my gosh, I'm anxious or I'm having these thoughts. How do I solve for it? And one of the like knee-jerk responses is like, I have to go tell my partner that this is what yes. I'm feeling, that this is what I'm thinking. And, um, you know, it's something that I talk with my clients about, about how that, that reaction is actually like fueling your anxiety to, to need to impulsively go talk about it all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and so sometimes I think it creates this extreme swing of like, oh my gosh, well now I can't connect with him. I can't tell him anything about what I'm feeling. I can't tell them when I'm feeling anxious. And I think what you just described is so beautiful of, uh, it's just a matter of like taking on your own anxiety and being able to sit with that discomfort, being willing to take some time to sort through and process it yourself. And after the fact, it doesn't mean you can't come to your partner and, and just kind of acknowledge where you're at and what is going yeah. on for you. From a place of I want to connect with you, rather than a place of I need you to solve and take this away from me.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Well said. Yep. You summarize that very well.
0: I just had to connect because what you were describing, you know, I see so much with my clients.
1: Yeah, um, no, that was a good summary.
0: Well, let's see. I my next question is how do you start creating healthy patterns? And I feel like you kind of have answered that already with just kind of that shift within yourself of owning owning your own feelings and what's going on for you. But would you say there's um, anything else that you would add to that of how you start creating healthy patterns? Yeah, so
1: being able to just first have awareness of what's going on, you can't do something about something if you don't even know that there's a problem. So you have to know that they're awareness and like, okay, I kind of want to look at this. I have done different things to help me in navigating it. Uh, like I said, one was going to a 12 step program that was applicable to me. Um, I also, as a therapist have my own therapist. So I continue to do my own work. Um, I think life coaching is amazing and would definitely recommend that to, you know, like if you, you having a life coach or a therapist, if there's things that you're trying to sort through,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, being able to do your own work as well, being able to do journaling, thought downloads, just even seeing on paper what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, is really insightful. Because then once you see it, then you can address it like, wait a second, this is what I'm thinking about this. Do I want to keep thinking that? No, well, not really. That's not really helping me. So that, again, that brings in awareness. Um, trying to think. Actually, I, I guess the other piece for me that became big was my own self care. Uh, being able to believe that I mattered enough to take care of myself, that I mattered to get up and exercise or to take some time for myself. That was something I believed for a long time that I didn't deserve it. And that it's okay for me to take time for myself and to nurture myself. Basically what I have, I guess if I was to summarize, what I'm saying is I have worked on having a relationship with myself Mm -hmm. just as much as we want to work on our relationship with our partner. It's equally important that we have a relationship with ourselves. Like, what do we like? What do we want to do? And being able to get to know ourselves, mm-hmm. I sometimes I'll have clients, I'll tell them that they need to I t- encourage them to go have a date with themselves, go take yourself to do something by yourself that you like to do and really start to get to know yourself. Cause as you get to know yourself and start to love and nurture that relationship with yourself, which I know that sounds kind of funny, but really you want to have a relationship with yourself and really come to love and appreciate yourself. Then the relationship with your partner deepens even more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, where would you say, um, one thing I'm curious with is would you say, because again, I think, you know, like we talked about growing up, you didn't have modeled for you the kind of marriage that you wanted to have. Um, was there any good that came from that experience? Like, Um, I think a lot of times, you know, I can hear this fear of like, oh, I, I'm too afraid. I can't have what I want. I can't have this relationship because of X, Y, and Z, this experience in the past. Like, you know, my mom says men just always cheat on women and that's just how it is. Right. And so that must be what is my experience is going to be. (laughs) Uh Um, But I'm curious, is there any ways that you feel like that? You know, having that experience growing up actually helped you create the love that you wanted.
1: Absolutely, I, I. I like that you talked about you kind of were addressing programming that happens. Like you know, we when we grow up in certain ways, we may hear things like, "Oh, men always cheat on women," or these you know different things. They so may hear that from from a parent. And that there's some of that old, there's some of that programming and just to be able to have awareness of that, they're like, Oh, there's some beliefs that from things I learned from this, pre- from my parents' marriage or from other people's relationships. So being able to know that there might be some programming that you have to go back and look at.
0: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: um, what was the second, the other part of your question was,
0: just, how do you feel like it's, Actually, before we jump to that, because I want to actually note on something you said, which is I I think it's so important to recognize, like you were just saying being able to go back and look at those old beliefs. And like just because your mom told you that, like it was fact, <laughs> mm-hmm. or like, you know, I, I don't know if your parents would have said this, but like, only your third marriage is your third marriage is gonna be the one that works or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, parents will just say things And I think is that when you're younger, you can take it on. It's just like, oh, that's truth, that's reality. But yeah, uh, the, that isn't the only option that we can go back and look at like, Oh, this was a belief offered to me by my parents that I just like took on as truth. Do I want to keep believing and operating out of that? Cause uh-huh. there, there are plenty, like, you know, maybe your mom believed men always cheat on women, but there are always, there are other people, right. That see it totally different. Right. And so Totally. That belief is optional to you. And so just because your parents have handed you these beliefs that aren't useful, or maybe you pick passed yeah. on them subconsciously from your parents.
1: Yes. doesn't yes. have
0: to keep it. Mm-hmm. Right. It take some work to let go of it, but.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other part of your question, I just, sorry, I just remembered what it was, was that like how, I guess the takeaway for me of even though I grew up that way, the, yes, there was some motivation of, I saw their marriages and I knew I did not want that. And so even though I kind of looked at to the movies as kind of ideal kind of relationship, there was still something within me. There was this like burning desire to go and find a relationship that was going to be different than my parents. And so because I had that, I actually would, would make lists about things that I did want to find in somebody and things that were important to me. So subconsciously, well, maybe somewhat consciously, but I think there's part of me that really was able to go and look for what I wanted because of what I saw the impact of my parents' marriage was a catalyst for me to go and find the kind of marriage I wanted to find. And so just because they had that, it didn't mean that I was doomed to go and have a failed marriage myself. Yes. That I could intentionally go and find what I want and work on my own things that would maybe impact me or that I could work on my own stuff and be able to help me create
0: what I wanted to have
1: Mm -hmm. and believing that I could really have it too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um. I think it, it kind of makes me think of the you don't you know you don't get to choose your cards but you get to decide how they're played, right?
1: Oh yeah, I like that.
0: Like just because yeah, you you know, like you didn't get to pick your family situation, is that you use that as a catalyst, like you said, of like this is to help motivate me and drive me. Um because I think you could use it either way of like, oh, this means this is what I'm doomed for, or like this is why I really want to work at this and um, and create an amazing marriage. Yeah. Um, and I think also on the flip side too, is, you know, like I said, for me, you know, having a very healthy, good marriage model for me that I um, would have more. And I know, cause I know I also have clients and <laughs> some listeners that fall in this bucket of, I really want my marriage to look like my parents. And I'm afraid that maybe it won't measure up to that. Right. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I think sometimes on the flip side, we can use that Um, Even having like a more ideal situation, we can use that against ourselves as like, oh, well, I better look exactly like this or else it's not going to be good, right? Yeah. But just for me with experiencing that is, I think one, being able to use it as inspiration, like an opportunity to learn and like see like what, you know, what does work. And two is also recognizing you know, your healthy relationship that you're creating is going to look different than maybe, you know, if you do look up to your parents' marriage, that it, it is going to look different. Um, and just because, you know, you don't necessarily do things exactly the same. Like maybe your parents take walks every night and you guys don't do that. Right. that, <laughs> Um, no, I literally have talked to clients about this. Are they like, okay, I need to, we need to do these certain things. Cause that was how my parents did it in their marriages. Uh-huh. Right. But being willing to like, <laughs> yes, use it as inspiration where it feels useful and also don't go get so rigid and we need to be doing these things exactly right. Like my parents or, um, or else, or else <laughs> it isn't going to work. Yes. Uh, yeah. My, uh-huh. my parents have this kind of dynamic, like me and my partner don't. So that means it's not going to work, right? There there definitely has to be some flexibility and being able to. That's what I've learned, at least, is being able to recognize like I can, like, you know, definitely look up to and admire you guys. And also, um, it's going to look different, right? Um, And the habits and patterns that we have are going to be, you know, our relationship, right? And ultimately, that's, I think, what you're learning to work to build, whether it's taking what you were given whatever it was right and saying okay hey, I'm gonna go from this and try to create something better to I'm taking something that was really good and I'm gonna find my own definition of good in this relationship
1: uh-huh. and it's okay for it to be a little different too yeah yeah
0: just had to throw that in there for for those listening that are like but my parents have a good marriage <laughs> and I'm yeah no
1: that's good, good. yeah I'm glad you pointed that out
0: um, so tell me, like, I guess, any last thoughts for our listeners, as well as like advice that you would give to someone who is really stuck in those belief patterns of thinking they can't have that healthy relationship because of their past experiences or because of how they grew up.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes back to some of the things I said earlier, and just being willing to go and do the work on yourself, whether that's with a life coach, with a therapist, um, going to groups, whatever it is you need to do. Here's the cool thing about our brains: are um, we have something called neuroplasticity, which means our brains, even though they may have certain patterns that have formed over the years because of how we've grown up or how we've been raised, the, it's we still have the ability to change. Our brains are very flexible. And they can learn new ways of doing things, which is what the work you and I do, Mikel, we are helping to open people's brains up to the possibility of looking at things differently and doing life differently if they want to make those changes. And so that's actually really cool because sometimes people think, oh, I can't change. This Is just how I've always been? It's like, no, that's not true. We can change. And if somebody is wanting to, they're wanting to create a different life than what they saw, that it's totally possible we just have to do the work that I believe that we're all worth it. If we want to do the work, it's possible and change. I'm, I am the living example that change is possible mm-hmm. and that my life did not need to be the way that my parents' life was
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we have that ability to change, which is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. And also that the way your relationship is right now is not how it has to be forever. Right. Like yeah. you, you talked about some of the ups and downs within your relationship a little bit. And, um, just how, you know, if you are, yeah, in a place where maybe you recognize like, yeah, we are operating out of some of these patterns that aren't as healthy that I've learned. Right. Or I am blaming him for a lot of my emotions, or I am feeling disappointed that it's not matching the movies or whatever it is that, that that is just one data point in like a whole, like lifelong journey together and that that is not you know what you had growing up isn't what you're set in and the beginning of your relationship isn't what you're going to be set in forever either like that there's always so much room for growth and change and um yeah if you're able to believe that like you said then Mm -hmm. then it's that just having that willingness to to put in the work because you know definitely not always easy but for sure worth it
1: yeah and just one last thing I'll say to that The thing that's really cool about relationships is oftentimes like if there are some struggles in a relationship or or there's some pieces that just aren't working or they're a challenge, sometimes one person starting to do their work and working on themselves can actually change the whole equation of that relationship. And so we don't have to look to our partner, expect them to change because sometimes the change can happen just from us doing our work.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think so often that change that we're wanting in the relationship, or maybe we're looking at our partner, like they need to fix this thing. They need to change. It's like, so often you work on making that change and you might notice like your partner naturally starts changing that way as well. Mm-hmm. Or whatever was bugging you wasn't even really that much of a problem. It was just, a. I think relationships are such a beautiful thing because they point inward to those things that maybe if we are on our own, we could just kind of hide and run from. And it uh-huh. just it really unveils, like here are all the things you have to work on, right? And which I think can be a scary, but also really beautiful thing. All right, thanks so much
1: for coming on, Mom. Thanks for having me, Kel, it was good to talk with you. Love you, bye. Love you.
0: All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that you found today's episode helpful and I look forward to talking to you all next week. Bye.